You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I hope you've enjoyed your teas and coffees this morning. As Alan's already said, I'm Emily. I um, am on the staff team here at City Church, um, and I'm married to Matt over here. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) he deserves a round of applause. (laughs) Um, We are in the middle of a series at the moment, looking together at the Psalms of Ascent. Um, As we've heard in the weeks before, these 15 Psalms were sung on the way to the great Jewish feasts in Jerusalem. These psalms are full of reminders of God's grace, his goodness and provision, and his promises and his blessings to us. Um, Last week, John Wilson spoke to us about cultivating joy, and um, it is really powerful. It's online if you've missed it. Do have a listen back. Um, So here we are, we are in the Psalms of Ascent then and um, the pilgrims would be coming from all over Israel and they would be singing these songs together on the roads as they were walking up towards God's temple, um, his place of worship. And it was a long journey, Uh, these songs were an important part of the pilgrimage and experience in quite a practical sense, uh, these songs would have helped to keep them going, um, to keeping the momentum, and as well as um, on a profoundly deep spiritual level as well, that keeping, on, keeping them going, persevering, and experiencing God's love and hope through this sung worship, lifting their eyes and perspective to him. These psalms have a real sense of movement, of purpose, and of keeping the destination and the journey going out ahead of them. There's a future goal that they're going to, and it keeps them going forwards and up towards God. Um, last year, me and Matt uh, took our two children, who were six and eight then, to Australia, uh, 20 hours of flying and three flights to get there, security checks, weights in between each one, it was, it was a lot. Um, we had all the emotions, and although it wasn't free of pain for any of us, we had the destination in mind. This kept us going. It kept our perspective that this would just be two days of it. Uh, yes, two days. <laughs> Oh, three weeks, yeah, yeah. And seeing my brother and my family when we got there, um, it it makes it all worth it. And I would say, top tip, ride a long suitcase and tech and grandparents for long trips (laughs) are always helpful. (laughs) Um, And another picture just to help with the idea of journey is of a gardener or of a farmer. And they um, will plant with the harvest in mind. Um, and you know it's great when we get the fruit but there's this process and a journey and thorns along the way but we know that there's good to come from it Um, and it's also helpful to see these psalms of ascent as they're not a climb from grief 
to joy or the sad things to the good things, but they're a gradual and steady upward journey towards God and learning to depend on him, knowing that the journey has grief and joy along the way. So let's have a look at the psalm. Then if you want to turn to it, it's Psalm 127. It's right in the middle of the 15 psalms of ascent. And it's accredited to um, Solomon, who built the temple that they're on pilgrimage to. So Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city... The guards stand watch in vain. Um, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. It's a bit of a hard clicker, this. (laughs) Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a blessing from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. So, unless the the Lord builds, the builders labour in vain. We have this picture of building the house. The Lord building the house and the builders are also building. And... Does it mean an actual real house with, that, that we're building? Or is it speaking metaphorically about God's involvement and building in our lives? And um, the Hebrew word for house would have meant palaces, temples, homes. And, but it would have um, been used figuratively to mean uh, households uh, fam- and families. And this word represents not only where we live, but also our sense of identity and security and our place in the world. And so we have this idea that to build our lives without God is to build in vain. So if we build without him, without his blessing, without following him, trusting and depending on him then we might as well not build at all. It's not worth it. It's in vain. And so this word can be translated as empty or um, futile, no good, pointless, um, void or invalid. And in Ecclesiastes, um, they say meaningless, which um, from the original Hebrew word meaning vapor or breath, here for a second and then gone. And there's such strong links here with Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, both um, accredited to Solomon. And they are wanting us to have this deeper wisdom for our lives. Um, Not just how to do life, but the psalmist wants to profoundly change your perspective on your life. Dig into the motivations and the desires of your heart. He draws you straight here with this blunt and direct statement straight away here. Unless the Lord builds, your building is like empty vapor. One Hebrew scholar went as far with um, the original meaning for vain here to be absurd. And that really puts it into perspective for me. 
It's absurd for me to build a life without God. Wildly unreasonable or preposterous or ridiculous even. And um, one way to think about this psalm is to look at what we might be building on in our lives if we're not building with God. Are we building for our own sense of security, perhaps? A secure home and future? Or building for our own comfort, acquiring more possessions to make our lives easier, more comfortable? Or are we building for our own sense of worth based on other people's approval? And according to this psalm, these things that we build for our own gain only are absurd and it's pointless to build on anything other than God. And we can sometimes strive to impress each other with our stuff that we've built when actually God's not impressed with that. That heart that goes after people's approval or that goes after our own comfort God desires that our hearts are towards him, that we lay down these distractions, our love of money and acquiring things and that need to be affirmed. He wants wholehearted, courageous dependence on him. And yes, he blesses us with finances and provision and health and gifts and, and then we use these to glorify him. They are gifts for him, from him, to enjoy and, set and, and serve him with. And it's never for our own greed. It's a much higher call and adventure that he brings us into, that he pours in and we pour out, and he pours in so much more, um, rather than us taking all we can and holding on to it. And... I think sometimes we can come to the word of God and we think, okay, we need to try harder then to do these things, to look right, and then we miss it again. Unless the Lord builds it, unless he's in it, we will be frustrated and our works will be empty. But when we seek to live a life with God at the center, enjoying him, depending on him, listening to him, and following his lead, our lives flow out of this, and our security, and our comfort, and our affirmation, our approval, it's all found in him. So, I'll go back to the psalm now. Um, in vain you rise early, and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. In this next bit of the psalm, we have vain used again for the third time. The psalmist really wants us to know that without God, it is all just totally pointless, absurd even. Getting up early to work hard all day, to toil, to survive... What is it for if it's not for God? And so we see this word toil now, also in Ecclesiastes. 
um, from the Hebrew word amal, which means a wearing effort or burdensome work. Or in Genesis, it's used to mean pain when talking about the curse with Adam and Eve. Um, Now, when I typed into Google Images for some helpful visuals for us, we get a lot of people pushing boulders up hills, um, which I think must be the universal symbol for hard work. Um, But there's this real emphasis on the burden of the work here, the uphill struggle and exertion and the relentlessness of it and the, the pressure of it even. If I stop, will all this come crashing down? And this can lead to major anxiety in us. And I think the message version grasps this sense of um, anxious working a bit more. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Working your worried fingers to the bone, anxiously overworking, we believe that it's all on us and, and that we can't seem to stop. But God says, stop, rest, surrender. And there's this quote from um, John Piper. Sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God. Once a day, God sends us to bed like patients with a sickness This sickness is a chronic tendency to think that we are in control and that our work is indispensable. To cure us of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. (laughs) Like that. Um, Yeah, so he has created rest for you, for your good. And he asks you to trust him to provide for him as you surrender daily to what you cannot do. So we have this idea of working without God and toiling without dependence on God and where this leads to anxious, pointless work. But God says, come to me, depend on me, Acknowledge me in all you do and trust me that you can rest, you can stop and that I will sustain you. And the psalm goes on. Oh, can you read that? (laughs) Sons are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a blessing from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. So we have this seemingly, at first glance, different second part of the psalm now. But actually, as we go through, we will see that it's very much connected in what the psalmist wants to show us. So children are a heritage from the Lord. 
back in this time, having more children would have meant more blessing for your family, more support as you get older, more workers on your land and in your business, more sons to defend you against enemies, and more people to help you in your old age. But most significantly, more children would have been evidence of God fulfilling his promises to Abraham, and children secured the continuing on of God's people. And this isn't the same for us now as Christians. It's not by birth that we're saved, but it's by faith in Jesus. And we also don't have the same cultural expectation or pressure to have lots of children now in our current day. It's different, um, and it can't be directly applied to us, but we can take it that children are a blessing from God. This truth stands, even when it doesn't feel like it. Um. (coughs) When reflecting on this, and how children are seen today in culture, it struck me that they are sometimes seen as a burden or as a barrier to where we want to be, something in the way of our freedom or our comfort or our careers. But God says that children are a blessing. They are for our good and his glory, and to be received in this way. And to us parents, I think especially to those struggling, he says, build your home and your family in complete dependence on me. He loves you and your family, and you need him for strength, wisdom, patience, loads of patience and (laughs) we need to go to him every day for that strength and that help and we can't do it without him and we don't have to now I think it's really important to say here that this passage might be extremely painful or difficult for those without children I know many who have desired children over the years and I know that I stand here as a mum who will read this text differently to others but I also know that desperate longing for a child and grief over lost pregnancies and that it is like nothing else. It goes deep and it can feel like the only thing that will fill that emptiness is a child. But I think that this pain isn't entirely left out of of this. I don't think this passage is just for the parents. I think that God gives us something quite deep and profound to hold on to. And while studying this passage and grappling with this, Uh, I read about this idea of the importance of being like spiritual mothers and fathers in the church, that we can love and bring those that are younger than us into our homes, pour into their lives, 
We can pour into them spiritually and guide them. And we can be a part of leading them here on the, in the groups on Sundays and regard them as the blessings that they are. They are precious to God and they are gifts to us. And what a privilege to serve them in this way. And I think we can take so much truth and goodness from this and apply it in how we regard and serve our children. But I just still feel that this idea doesn't go quite deep enough, though, to this pain of what might to some people feel like a withheld blessing. And not just applied to those without children, but to any who feel that they are missing out somehow on promises or they're missing out on certain blessings from God. That could be marriage or happy, healthy, saved children or grandchildren. Healing, finances, joy, favor, And if blessings are the experiencing of kindness and mercy from God, given by his choosing and to bring goodness to our lives for his purposes, then it's understandable that we would grieve not receiving them. We each will have different expectations about our lives and what they should have looked like by now. And we also have different ways of handling disappointments when it doesn't look the way that we expected it to. We might distance or numb ourselves from God and from others. It's a way of protecting ourselves, of putting that guard up, um, and it makes it hard to get close to give or to receive love. But it means that you don't feel or face that pain of disappointment. But this will mean that you can't process or heal. And you might respond by overstriving, self-dependence. I must try harder. I must get everything else right in my life. How can I fix this? And that comes out in trying to control everything. But it's also a way of protecting yourself and distracting from the truth of what really hurts. And for some, we become the victim of our own circumstances, just giving in, this one's me, <laughs> or blaming others. It's everyone else's fault except mine. Or maybe letting bitterness in. And again, it keeps you stuck. You can't grow there. And our responses can lead us away from God and away from his comfort, his wisdom for us, and what he might want you to learn through this. Or we can go to him with our grief, our disappointment. We can go to God, surrendering up the control, the victim mentality, and the pride and asking him to be the builder, the watcher, and the blesser of your life. He 
might have a different way that he wants to bless you in this season. And we need to have a right view of what a blessed life actually is. What does a blessed life mean to you? <laughs> I was telling Alan about this slide. <laughs> um, the world skewed version of that can cause us to strive and compare and feel rubbish. And the world says we need lots of money, a beautiful home, great clothes, holidays, impressive job to be blessed. Or even in the Christian ideal, married, obedient children, like I'd like some of those. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> Good health, always happy. But actually, if we don't have any of these things, the truth is we have still been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And it says in Ephesians, got an upside down note, you got one upside down page there. Um, Even as he chose us, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. In love, he predestined us for adoption. We're adopted to himself through Jesus Christ. And in him we have redemption, forgiveness, um, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that is just a bit of the list of blessings that every one of us that believes has received. We're adopted and chosen and loved by God. And one of the ways that we can go to him is to meditate on those truths about who you are in Christ. And this psalm is wisdom to us wherever we are in life to build with God to seek him first, to depend on him entirely with our whole lives, our work, our families. And it's an encouragement to lift up our eyes to the one that goes ahead and, is, and he goes with us, knowing that you can rest in all that he has given you. And trust that he has blessed you with everything that you need. Great. I'm just going to pray and then finish it. God, I thank you that we can depend on you with our lives. Help us to surrender to you again and put you back at the centre. I pray for those hurting in this season. Reveal your blessings to them in ways that are profound and deep. Show them that you love them so dearly as chosen and loved ones. And I pray for those who are anxiously working. Grant them rest. Fill them with the knowledge that they are held and sustained by you and that they can lay down that heavy burden and rest in you. And finally, I pray that we would not build without you. Not in our lives and not in the church. 
we submit and surrender up our plans and our desires to you, God. Amen.